Come on, let's go ahead and stand our feet this morning as we worship the Lord together.
impossible things in your name they shall be done unstoppable god let your glory go on and on impossible things in your name they shall be done i'm thankful for that this morning that you serve a god of the impossible amen no matter what our circumstances or our situation looks like, we serve a God that nothing is impossible with him. So as we continue to worship the Lord this morning, I encourage you, hey, whatever you brought through those doors with you morning, this morning, lay them at the foot of the cross as we enter into his presence because he alone is worthy. Amen? Come on, let's give him one more hand clap of praise. We bless you, Jesus. Blessing, honor, strength, and power. Alone now and forever. Love is a world could never stop. There is no one like I got. Reaching now to touch the broken. Mercy breaking through this moment. Come on, declare with me. We say, Lord, faithful is the one. Worthy is your name. Oh God, the glory is yours. The kingdom is come and the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. It belongs to you, oh God. The angels watching wonders.
The kingdom is coming, the battle is over. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give him some praise in this place this morning. We bless you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. You're fighting for us, Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords. You're on our side. Lord, if you're for us, who can stand against us? Sometimes we worship and just to exalt God and to praise God, but a lot of these worship songs help us remind us who God is, that He is for us, not against us. Because, you know, all week long, the enemy is trying to make our God smaller and smaller and our mountains bigger and bigger. And you come in here and there's something about corporate worship where you just 
first of all, just when you sing that, faith arises and you realize God is for you, not against you. But also, just the presence of God. You just get that feeling, man, God is here. He is for me. And we're going to take a time now, some ministry time. We have people that have been praying and are going to be up here ready to pray for you. But a couple things specifically, one of our young leaders felt last night, people are struggling just kind of in the area of faith. Because that's where the enemy comes and battles us. He tries to steal our faith and, and gets us to move into fear, doubt, and unbelief. And, and so today, if you're kind of struggling in an area where you just, man, why hasn't this prayer been answered? Where is God? You know, what's going on right now? Somebody wants to agree with you, and there's power in that agreement. The other thing, when he said that, I felt kind of the scripture come up in me that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. So whatever you're going through, it's not on your strength, it's not somebody else's power, it's by His Spirit, the Spirit of God. And people are going to pray with you today. If you just need more of God, if you just want God to fill you fresh with His Spirit, or if you've never been baptized in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to be a witness, they're going to agree with you and pray in that area. So altar team, come up right now. They're ready to agree with you. Whatever your need is, you're sick in your body, you've got a decision to make, whatever it is, you want to agree with somebody else in your family, they want to agree with you. And I'm telling you, this could be your miracle moment. Prayers are answered during this prayer time. Let's continue to worship.
We're going to sing one more song, but before we do that, I'm going to ask if you're in elementary school or, you know, middle school or high school or you're going to college, you're about to go back, or you're faculty at a college or high school, elementary school or middle school, we want you to come up at this time so we can pray for you and make your way towards the stage. And we're going to sing one more song while you're coming. So, no place I would rather be, oh, no place I would rather be, oh, no place I would rather be. Then here in your love, here in your love, no place I would rather be, oh, no place I would rather be, oh, God, no place I would rather be, than here in your love, here in your love, but set a fire down in my soul that I can't protect, that I can't control.
But praise the Lord. Give Jesus a big hand this morning. Hi, he's worthy of our praise. And you may be seated. Well, kids, how many are excited to go back to school? Let me see your hand. Maybe you didn't hear me. How many are excited to go back to school? Okay. How many are not very excited about going back to school? How many wouldn't raise your hand no matter what your pastor said? Like mother, like son. There you go. Okay, I want all the young kids to wave at mommy and daddy. Let's get that out of our system right now. Come on, everybody. Wave at your mom and dad. Yeah, you're looking good today. Wave back. Okay, now look at me for just a minute or two. How about that? We're cool. I want everybody to look at me just a second. And I want to ask you, what kind of Christian do you want to be when you go back to school? Kindergarten. Kindergarten Christian. Sorry. You made me lose my train of thought there. Well, there's three kinds of people that call themselves Christians. Some may not be, but let me tell you what I'm talking about. One is what I call a worldly Christian. That's someone that comes to church, goes to powerhouse sometimes, but when you get around your friends, when you get in school, you can't tell you're a Christian at all. You talk like the world, you act like people in the world, you treat people like others, and that's not the way Jesus wants us to be. The second kind of Christian is what I call a closet Christian. That's somebody that genuinely loves the Lord, comes to church, uh, uh, you know, doesn't do the bad things, doesn't say the bad things, but nobody really knows they're a Christian. All they know is they think they're a good person. But the third kind of Christian is the kind of Christian that God wants all of us to be, and that's a bold Christian. He wants us, when it comes time for lunchtime and our friends are all around, to have the courage to bow our head and pray over our food. Now, how many know that's hard sometimes? It is hard because you don't want people laughing at you or whatever, but I think I would rather make Jesus happy with me than all my friends. What do you think? But a bold Christian talks about Jesus. A bold Christian will talk in class when they're talking about evolution, abortion, all kinds of subjects that we talk about in the world today. A bold Christian will have a Bible comment no matter what people would say. A bold Christian, and listen to this, you know there's going to be people at school this year that get bullied, people, kids that get laughed at and made fun of that don't get included. I think a bold Christian would be their friend because Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourself. It's the second great commandment. So we want to say we're real proud of you. You're like a light that's shining in a dark place. And we're going to pray God bless you. Kids, I want everybody to just lift your hands to heaven right now. And you're just lifting your hands to heaven like saying, Heavenly Father, I want you to bless me as I start this school year. I need your help. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now lift your hand towards them, folks. And we just want to pray a blessing over every one of these kids, over these college kids, over the teachers, the educators that are on the platform. We just pray that each one, Lord, would be a living example of what it means to be a Christian. Help them, Lord, bless their families, make provision for them. And we pray their light would shine brightly in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Give them a big hand. And kids, you may go down carefully. Carefully, carefully. Let's go ahead and do the video now. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through small groups, classes, and outreach opportunities. 
If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between our Sunday morning services. Also, the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you're here, and we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Church on the Rock. I'm Cole. And I'm Kendall. And we're a couple of leaders here at Powerhouse, and we wanted to let you know what's going on every Wednesday night at 645. We have a service for our 7th through 12th graders, which is an awesome opportunity for them to come together to meet other Christian students and to grow closer to God. Also, just a reminder, we have a few small groups going on every week. We have Velocity 7th and 8th grade and D groups 9th through 12th grade. These happen every Sunday right after worship. So we hope you make it a point to have your students involved in what's going on here at Powerhouse. They shall be turned. Freedom conquered. All our chains undone. I will fight to follow. I will Hey Church on the Rock, this is Travis and this is my wife Whitney and we are the Connection Pastors here at Church on the Rock which is our young adult ministry from the ages of 18 to 30. Yes, it meets every week, every Thursday at 7.30. We have lots of things going on, young adult activities, fellowship. We have all different sorts of things that you can get plugged into here at COTR. We have a nursery if you have kids, and I'm telling you, this is a great place to get connected. It's a great place to meet people. It's a great place to, place to worship God. We hope this Thursday you can come hang out with us, 7.30. Hope to see you there. Matthew 2, 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Romans 6, verse 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. First Corinthians 13, 13. And all these three things you need. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? God is good. Amen. We are so glad that you're here. 
What a statement, all those kids being up here this morning. God's raising up a young army, right? We have such some uh, special thing happening right now. We got a baptism, and then little brother is getting dedicated. So, special day. Please state your name and why you're getting baptized. My name is Marley Franklin, and I'm 10 years old, and I want to be baptized because I want others to know that I'm a follower of Christ, and I want to get closer to God. Man, that's good. That's good. All right, man, we are so proud of you. Your family's proud of you. Your church family's proud of you. Your little brother's proud of you. Let's extend a hand. Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you that you love him, that you have a plan and a purpose for his life. And right now, we thank you, God, that uh, your calling is just going to be so evident to him. Lord, we baptize him right now in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Be filled. Be baptized. Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to dedicate little brother to the Lord now. Will he let me hold him? What's this baby's name? Give me a microphone, somebody here. Pastor Mike, we need a little mic here. Tell me who this baby is. Uh, what's your name, sir? <laughs> this is Noah Franklin, and I'm Shedrick, and my wife, Bethany, and Zach Franklin, big brother, Marley, little brother, Stephen, Travis, Jessica, sister, mama, Linda, mother-in-law, father-in-law, George, Maddie Cakes, my niece, my sister-in-law, and also a fellow teacher, Christy Fortune, Gigi, and Mr. Rich, Mr. Richard. Okay, enough with Ricky the big is what guys. We call him, Ricky. Which one? Are you a daddy's boy or a mama's boy? He said both. My, my, my children were politicians, too. Are you going to be a, a basketball player or a football player? Which one? Both. Daddy went to college. What did you play in college? Sir? Did You played college ball, didn't you? Yes, sir, I did. What, what, what sport? Basketball. <laughs> you give definition to Big Daddy if I was to put you in a I think he went a little farther than college. This is a fine family. You know, a baby dedication is really a, a family dedication. You know, the Bible teaches, I believe, an age of grace for children, an age of accountability. Along about 12, the Jews, when they had their bar mitzvah for the, for the young boys, it was not just ceremony, but it was a recognition that this child is coming to a place where they can make their own decisions in life. But today, this child remains under the covering of a good God, as he will all his, all his days. But as we dedicate this little boy today, it's a dedication of the family to say, number one, is that we're going to endeavor to exhibit Christ-like love, that uh, this little boy, as he grows up, that he's not going to hear cursing, he's not going to, you know, see porn on the TV, and he, you know, he's going to see what it means to be, live a godly life. And when he gets old, and he'll say, one day I want a, a wife like mommy, and I want to be a daddy just like the daddy that I had, because he saw it first in you. He saw it in brothers and sisters and friends and cousins and uncles and aunts. He saw it all around him. And if he sees that and experiences the love of God, he'll grow up to be a godly young man. And you'll have no fears or worries for his days. He'll be someone that's part of the solution, not someone that's part of the problem in America. But we want to pray for him and as a church family too. I would expect from, they would expect from you just like I expect from you. If you see my kid out doing something crazy, I expect a little phone call. You know what I'm talking about? So we'll do the same for this family. Lift your hand towards him today and let's ask God to bless this little boy. 
Lord, today as I hold this young child in my arms, I know that the Bible speaks of you have written our days in a book before one came to pass. And this child has a destiny marked before him, and we pray that every good thing that God has ordained would be fulfilled. Jesus, if you tarry, I pray one day he would, as he has lived a pure life, he would marry a godly woman and they would continue a godly heritage. But I pray for their home and their family today. I pray that you would, would keep sickness and disease far away from them. There would always be provision on the table. That you would always care for them. There would always be love in their home. That evil would not befall them, but the goodness of God would overtake them. And we bless this family today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give me a big hand. God bless you guys. And we go. Amen. God's good, isn't he? I mean, just these last uh, five, ten minutes have just been full of stuff. I mean, all these children up on the stage and the high school and just, uh, I mean, it's just amazing. And then the videos we saw, just the, the youth and the connection and JBQ. You know, when uh, hopefully you hand out these little invites. There's a place for you. They're out in the foyer. But one thing I ask besides you go to church anywhere, and if they don't, I, off, I give them a little invite. Like this week, I said, do you have any children? Because I'm telling you, that's one of the most evangelistic opportunities there is. There's people out there, they need help with their children. They want wisdom. And I'm telling you, the great children's and youth programs here, I'm telling you, it's just powerful. So it's a great thing to do. And so uh, continue to pray for our youth, our children. Amen. Matter of fact, we got a team going to Canada right now to help with some... Uh, minister to some kids that are homeless. So be praying for our team there in Jesus' name. We're continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. Uh, and from this moment right here for the next few minutes, we're going to stop our simulcast so it's not going to be uh, on the um, internet or anything because we're going to have a guy up on the screen that ministers to the underground church. But we just want to remind as you give today that uh, we try to turn that giving into ministry and that's just one of the examples. So God bless you as you give today.
sing that one last time. We sing. And oh, happy day, happy day. You watch my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Lord, you changed my heart. I'm thankful for that this morning. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Why don't you go ahead and be seated this morning? We've got a video for you. Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow made his mark in college football as a University of Florida Gator with his strong arm and gritty play. He also turned heads by his unwavering and bold Christian faith. The son of Christian missionaries, he's become one of the most influential athletes in college and professional sports. Tim's journey began with a life-threatening decision his mom made before he was born. Your mother's pregnant with you. Yes. There are some complications. Can you tell me a little bit about those complications? I have a very courageous mother um, who in front of a lot of doctors telling her that she needs to have an abortion with me um, for saying that it's not wise um, to keep this baby slash tumor um, is what they thought I was. and. Come to find out after I was born that they found out that it was just a tiny bit of the placenta was attached uh, for the whole pregnancy. So it really was um, just the grace of God that pulled me through. But your, your mom, she had a choice to make. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a choice for her. It wasn't a choice. What's so amazing is in today's society, uh, people look up to football players. And as a football player, you have a platform. And so, so much more important than any touchdown or trophy or anything you win with football is taking that platform to be able to influence people. My dad told me at an early age, he said, you know, Brett Favre can go into any school and share any message he wants around the country, around the world. He said, when you're in that position, you can go and you can share your message anywhere. And that was something that really hit me and something he shared with me a lot. Uh, any Tebow fans out here? <laughs> me too. Well, supposedly today now he's playing, uh, starting for the Philadelphia Eagles today. He's vying for the quarterback position. But I'm not here to talk about Tim Tebow. I'm here to talk about his mom and the choice that she made. If you recall uh, in his story, he said... His mom had a crisis pregnancy. It was a troubled pregnancy. Something was wrong. The medical professional, professionals basically said, we don't think this child can live. Uh, you need to just go ahead and end the child's life. This is not the type of elective abortion, the barbarism of Planned Parenthood that you've seen of late. But this is a professional doctor trying to give his best advice and best opinion to a mom whose pregnancy may not work out. Miscarriages happen all the time. Sometimes children are not born the way they should be. But this was a Christian mom. She was a missionary, and she prayed, and she felt the Lord tell her that she was to keep the child. Now, how many know that was a risk? But she had a choice to make, her choice to either to abort the child, as the doctor said, or keep this child and try to say yes to the Lord and believe that he was going to see the child through. Well, I want to tell you who my friends could ever have imagined that this baby would be born, would grow up into this Goliath of a guy, become a professional football player, and tell millions of people about Christ. This is what I want to say this morning, friends. Amazing things happen when we say yes to God. Let me say it again. Amazing things happen when we say yes to God. And I've entitled this new series we're doing, The Power of Yes. 
Because if it works for her, it'll work for us. Let's uh, look at Matthew chapter 4, our series text. Matthew 4, verse 18. Early in Jesus' ministry, he's calling his disciples to follow him, the apostles. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. These were fishermen. Verse 19, Jesus said these simple words, follow me. Can you say that? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, I'll give you a greater priority in life. Follow me, and I'll give you a life of significance. Follow me, and I will give you a task to do that will last for all eternity. And the Bible says immediately they left their nets, and they followed Jesus. Now, what I want you to see is they had a choice to make too. Peter had a choice. How many know Peter and Andrew didn't have to leave those nets? Peter and Andrew, their, their ambition could have been tied up in fishing. Uh, they could have been afraid. They could, for whatever reason, there's a million reasons they could have said no to Jesus because it was all a risk. I mean, anytime you say yes to the Lord, it's a risk. It was a risk for Tim Tebow's mom. Now we see on the other side of it. But it was a risk. Peter wondered, well, how in the world am I going to feed myself? I mean, I've got my family. Every day I'm coming home. My wife wants to know if we're having, you know, if we're having uh, grilled tilapia, if we're having uh, blackened shrimp. I mean, you know. They laughed at that earlier. Shrimp, Jews, okay? Um, would the risk be worth it? What would it cost him down the road? I mean, if he gave up his nets, I mean, how many know you sell them, the money's gone? How would he take care of himself? It was a risk, but Peter had no idea what would happen if he said yes to Jesus. At that time, he had no idea that he would be the person that would stand up and literally start the church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He had no idea on that day of Pentecost that when he stood up and preached the gospel, 3,000 people would come to Christ, and he would be the one that led the first church that populated heaven with billions of people for all eternity. Peter had no idea that he would be used of God to write several books of the New Testament. He had no idea, but what I want to tell you is amazing things can happen when you say yes to God. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We're going we're gonna to take a journey to Mark, Mark chapter, uh, chapter 10, and I want to sh uh, look at a story of contrast. We want to look at the response of two people. One, when Jesus called them to follow him, said no, and ultimately lost everything. But the other, when they decided to follow Jesus, they gained everything. So it's a yes or a no, and the choice is ours. But there's power when you say yes to God. Now, before we look at Mark 10, I want to tell you a little funny story. Uh, last week, my, it was my wife's birthday, so I took her, uh, took her away for a couple days to uh, celebrate her birthday. You know, I told you after I got back, my, my, some, got back from my sabbatical, I was going to take it easy, just, you know, not just be in the pulpit quite as much until I got my health built back up, but I'm doing well, and uh, I praise God for that. But anyway, we were off and went to Broken Bow. We love the water, and if you recall last Sunday, it's 105 degrees, you know, and you get up there on that Mountain Fork, uh, Mountain Fork River, and the water is so cold you can barely get in it. How many have been on Mountain Fork canoeing? Yeah. Well, anyway, so we've got our own canoe, and we canoed the lower mountain fork twice. But there's also a, a short float. It's inside the park. We used to take our kids there. You know, it's not, the water was real smooth. So anyway, we, we get up there, and it's kind of like a big U. And uh, you park your truck at one side, and, you know, your canoe gets out on the other. And normally you have somebody drop you off, so you end up at your canoe. But the problem was it was too late, and the canoe place was closed. So I didn't want Linnell to have to walk a half a mile, but I guess if we're going to canoe, that's kind of what's going to be at the end. So 
See, that was another joke. I need to get a placard that I hold up and say, and it says joke. Okay. Well, anyway, we canoed and fished and all, and I left her at the canoe. And as a good, dutiful husband, I walked back this half mile going to get the truck. The only problem is, is it's been 105 degrees outside. I'm walking on asphalt, and I have thin lake shoes on. So my feet are getting hot, and uh, I'm moving along at a pretty quick pace, and a truck's coming by, and I think, well, you know, should I stick my thumb up? But the windows were dark, and I kind of got a little, a little intimidated, so I didn't do it. But, but as I got to the top of the hill, there was a road going off to the left in and, and, and the park, and they had the windows rolled down. It was two ladies in the front and a guy in the back, and uh, they said, hey, there's eight or nine deer down there eating if you want to come look at them. And I said, no, i got to get to my truck. It's parked down the hill. i got to pick up my canoe. So they said, you want to ride? And this time I look, I, yeah. <laughs> so I get in the truck in the back seat and uh, uh, this little SUV, and the lady in the passenger side says, You want a beer? And, and I said, I had some water, and I said, No, no, thank you. I really appreciate the offer, though. And uh, so not much further to go, but come to find out they're from Texas. They're from DeCab. And uh, I said, Well, we went through DeCab. We ate, uh, ate lunch there on the way. And she said, Did you eat at the Mexican restaurant? The driver, she said, That's where I work. And I said, No, we ate at, uh, ate at the junction, kind of our little favorite spot there. But I'm thinking when I get ready to get out, I said, Hey, they live in DeCab. They can come to church. So uh, before I got out of the truck, I said, uh, My name's John Miller. My wife, Linnell, and I, we pastor at Church on the Rock. We'd love to have you come. Well, anyway, the driver said, uh, I go to Church on the Rock. I didn't recognize her. And the other girl, the pastor's side, said, Oh my gosh, I offered the preacher a beer. <laughs> so, uh, it's a true story. So uh, I get back to the car and I told the nail, and she said, Well, it's a good thing you didn't take that beer, but this is hate to know you were a preacher. <laughs> At which point I said, And you're not going to be a hypocrite, so I made her pour hers out. So that's the. That's the no, I was fibbing on that last part there, but, but the rest of it was, was all true. Nothing to do with the sermon, but let's, uh, let's, uh, let's look at Mark chapter 10. No or yes, back to Seriousville, no or yes, the choice is up to us. But the choice we make has eternal consequences when God calls. Mark chapter 10, a man ran up and he knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this passage is told in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one has a little different variation to it. But I want you to see that this guy, he's called in one of the uh, stories as a young man. Other place, he's called a ruler. In all three, we see he's a person of means. He's a wealthy person. So anyway, uh, he goes to Jesus and he kneels before him suggesting his humility, suggesting his recognition that, uh, of who Christ is. It's not just kind of a debate, but he recognizes him as a, as a voice of authority. And uh, anyway, Jesus, though, but he was mistaken because he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Matthew tells us, he said, teacher, what good deed must I do? And he was mistakenly thinking that he could do good works and get to heaven. I, I used to think that if you go to church when your mom makes you and you're more good than bad, and in the end, you know, everybody goes to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches it's those who believe in Jesus and follow him are true believers. They're the ones that go to heaven because they've had their sins forgiven. They have believed in the only begotten Son of God, and they've received Christ as their, as their Savior. But his comment, you, how many know we can never do enough good things to get into heaven? 
I mean, you can't do enough good works, but it's by the grace of God that we're saved. Well, his question, though, about eternal life is the most important concern there is. Let me say it again. His question about eternal life is the most important question there should ever be. This time of the year, kids are thinking about backpacks and they're thinking about who their best friends are going to be and, you know, on down the line. And parents are thinking about how I'm going to do this and, and all sorts of decisions and mom's already thinking about Christmas. But there's something more important than every one of these items. There's something more important than your job, more important than your vacations. It is where will I spend eternity and how can I know that I'll be saved? See, the Bible teaches us that all of us were born into sin. It's because of what happened to Adam and Eve. The Bible teaches that when we are conceived in the womb of our, of, our, of our mother, whether it was a good situation or a bad one, a person begins. And we had a starting place, unlike God, who is eternally existent. But from our starting place, we will live forever. The only question is, will we live forever with God in a place called heaven, or will we live away from God in a place reserved called hell for those that have rejected the Christ and what he's done for us? But it is the most significant thing that all of us should address in this life, and my advice to you is not to put it off, because nobody knows that day when your life is over. So he's asking about eternal life, and then Jesus in verse 19 says, well, you know the commandments. And now Jesus is going to quote five of the original Ten Commandments in Exodus. He says, uh, let's see, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't, do not defraud, perhaps referring to don't covet, honor your father and mother. And this man said something remarkable. He said, all these I've kept from my youth. Now, I want to say this guy was a, a model religious person. Uh, clearly, he was a, a, a Jewish person. He respected the Scripture. It, it's very likely that he's someone that we would, all of us would recognize as a model believer today. He's someone that uh, people would look up to and want their kids to be like. This is someone, you know, that would support the church, serve, and be involved. Uh, but notice when the commandments Jesus asked him all had to do with how we treat other people. Not one of the Ten Commandments has to do with our relationship with God. Because how many know you can have a religious world that looks good on the outside, but your heart not be sold out to Christ? So Jesus looked at him, and he loved him, just like he loves all of us, just like he loves the most depraved person in the world, the richest, the poorest, the, uh, no matter the color of our skin, the, 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 the people in ISIS who are beheading Christians. God loves them. He disapproves of what they're doing. Come on. But he loves them as an individual, and even they have opportunity to turn to the Christ of the cross. He loved him, and he says, you lack one thing. Now, would it be fair to say that life on earth is like one grain of sand on all the grains of sand on all the seashores of the world? And your life on earth, whether you live for 20 years, 50 years, 80 or 100, everybody dies. It's like the oldest person alive today is, I don't know, 114 or something like that. And you see on the news when, when they die and the next one comes behind them, that's 112. But we all peter out. And no matter what the tech people tell us today about living forever, I saw a headline the other day about, you know, scientists figured out how we can have eternal life and, you know, all sorts of things. The bottom line, the Bible teaches us we've got one life to live. We don't know how it's got, long it's going to be. And Jesus offers us life eternal after that. So there's only one thing standing in his way. Jesus said, as he looked into his heart, he said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now, that's not because Jesus wanted his money, and it's not because there weren't other means to care for the poor, but it was to expose what was in his heart. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, 
and come and follow me. Now, here's the deal. I can't follow Jesus if I'm following something else. I can't, I can't put the Lord first. I, he can't be foremost if other things, and not bad things. I mean, it could be bad things, but it could be my job, my career, my profession. Uh, in this case, it was his, his, uh, his material things. But notice the tragedy here. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Follow me. But this man was disheartened by what Jesus said. It made him sad, and he went away sorrowful. In other words, he said no to what the Lord asked, for he had great possessions. I have observed very few people as a pastor the last 30, 35 years that had wealth but were still humble and still were sold out to Christ. I've known some. Wealth has a way of making us believe that we don't need God. If you have your health and if you have money or credit, uh, you don't need God. Now, you do. You live under the illusion because the very next breath you breathe, you can't produce the oxygen and you can't make your heart go. And, but, but we live under this vast illusion, and it's one of the greatest temptations for we in America. Unless you think you're not wealthy, my friend, if you uh, have no job and are entirely supported by uh, uh, benefits from our, our country that's able to care for the poor, you are still richer than 85% of the world. I mean, we as Americans are vastly blessed, but there's some, obviously, in our midst that are, that, that are blessed more than us. Well, this guy had a lot of stuff, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter God's kingdom. One thing Jesus asked him to do, and he said no and walked away. And his walking away suggested that, that he violated the first of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, you shall have no other God but me. I suggest the second as well was violated. You shall not... Make an idol or any, uh, any image, nothing to replace me. And that's a danger for all of us as well because other things can become important to us. We can have a part of our life that's off limits to God. We can have, all of us have what I call a God box. Now, this guy's God box was bigger than most. For some, their God box is, you know, go to church on Sunday, read the Bible a couple days a week maybe, and, you know, that's kind of it. For others, their God box is bigger. They're here every time the church door is open. They give. They go on missions trips. Others have a bigger God box. But most of us have things in our life that we've turned over to God, but other things that we reserve for ourselves. And this is where the struggle was. And it's not that money's wrong. Certainly, it's, uh, money is a, a, a blessing from the Lord. Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desire of your hearts. Deuteronomy says, God gives you the ability to obtain wealth. So wealth in our society, as well as Jewish society, can indeed be a, a, an evidence of God's blessing. But on the flip side, if we're not careful, it can become more important. A hobby can become more important. For example, duck hunting. No, bass fishing. Bass fishing can become more important than Jesus. Uh, I've known friends over the years that uh, God blessed them. When he blessed them, they were able to buy a second home, praise the Lord, invited me up sometimes. But the problem is the only time they could go to that second home was on the weekend. And that they just happened to be serving the Lord on the worship team or some other capacity, or that was kind of the center of their Christian service to the Lord. But all of a sudden, you had to either go to the, the boat, are you with me now, or you had to go to the house or somewhere. Those things are not bad, but what happened is it squeezed the God part out of their life, and they were no longer able or willing to say yes to God, but they found themselves saying no. Again, not that we're trying to earn our way into heaven or there's some rules that we all have to, quote, live by, but simply because God began to say yes and other things crowded in and kind of squeezed God out. And that's the danger. 
because what has become the most important scripture in my life and hopefully in my preaching to you is the greatest commandment in all the Bible. And that tells us what God is looking for. And it's not a thou shalt better not, but it says this in Mark 12, the most important commandment, come on, say it with me, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And sometimes things get in our life. And rather than saying yes to God, we say no, and it'll cost us eternally. Now let's flip the coin, verse 28. Mind you, now, this man came up to Jesus, and they're not alone. They're in the presence of the disciples. So after this guy walks away, all the disciples kind of scratch in their head, and they said, who in the world can, can be saved? Uh, and, of course, Jesus talks about, you know, God's ability. But then verse 28, Peter kind of speaks for the crowd, and he said, Lord, we have left everything and... See, what Jesus is looking for is us to follow him. It's not that he wants to take away our nice things in life, but Peter said, we've left everything. And listen to what Jesus said, and this is kind of the core of my message today. He said, truly I say to you, and whenever you see the word truly or verily in your King James Bible, it's like taking a highlighter and underlining a, a scripture. It's trying to make it more important. If you're studying a school text, it's the most important point. If you're a teacher, it's the most important point of the chapter. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one. Now, sometimes I think we look at portions of the Bible and we want it to be speaking to us, but it was contextualized around the people that were right there, and it's probably not a promise for us. But other times in the Bible, you see verses like, whosoever will, or for God so loved the world. I mean, they're very large and inclusive, and it speaks clearly to us, as this scripture does, when Jesus said, there is no one who has left house Brothers, say it with me, sisters, mother, father, uh, children, or lands for my sake and the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. And then Jesus said, he said, I'll bless you with houses, but I'll also bless you with brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, we're going to talk about all of those today. But Peter basically said at his call, we've left everything. And that was huge. Can I tell you, friends, there's a cost to follow Jesus. When Peter left his home, what it means is Miss Peter stayed at home with the kids. Peter used to fish every day, and he'd come home. And how many know it's much better to smug, snuggle with your cute wife rather than it is to sleep with your snoring brother? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, who wants to sleep with ugly old Andrew? Um, but so, so, so Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, sometimes we're going to take journeys and we're not going to be real close to home. Sometimes we're going to do things. And, 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 you'll, and Peter left his fishing business because Jesus had something that was going to surpass anything the business could produce. And my point in saying this is, is it costs us something uh, sometimes to say yes to God. I'm going to be personal in the rest of this message in my own life. But at 23, I did exactly this. At 23, I was single. Uh, I, I just got out of the military, and I felt God not only calling me in ministry, but calling me to go back to California. The only problem was I did not like California. My parents were in Mississippi. My dad wanted me to go in business with him. But when, when, when push came to shove and I got serious with God, I knew in my heart that God called me into ministry, which I was glad for, but I was not real glad about what he wanted me to do in the path to get there. And I can remember over the years, my dad would call me and he would say, like, he would say, 
Are you sure you like what you're doing? You know, I'm, I'm making some big decisions and plans, and every time my heart would drop a little bit, uh, every time I, I, I would feel like I had neglected my responsibility as a son. It's family business, you know, three, four generations going on there. And sometimes we just come in, in contact with things that make us say, I love this, but I'm going to choose to love Jesus more. Now, stay with me. Romans talks about this. Romans 8.18 says, The sufferings we now have are nothing compared to the great glory that will be shown to us. The sufferings we have, any sacrifice the Lord asks you to make, whatever it may be, small or big, Jesus said it is uh, nothing, or Paul rather, it's nothing compared to what's coming down the road for you. Now, I want to illustrate this to you today from my own life. You remember when Jesus promised his followers a hundredfold now in this time? Remember the passage? I'm going to talk about my own life and how I've experienced this to be true. Now, I don't believe that it talks about uh, you need to keep a piece of paper that says this is my first house, my second house, my third, and all the way up to 100. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a form of speech which is a hyperbole. It's, a, it's an exaggeration where Jesus is basically trying to say, look, if you'll put me first and say yes to me, I'm going to make sure that life is still going to be good for you. I'm going to take care of you wherever you are. I'm going to be able to bless you. And you know what I found in my life? And I want to talk first about the houses and lands. This is how my life began. When I turned my back on, 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 on uh, the legacy there and the inheritance and all those kind of things that I could have had, I remember I was in California, and I happened to be staying uh, with one of the elders that was there. And my room was a small room, and it was probably as far as from the edge of the stage to here. You can imagine right here, and it probably was about this long. I had one twin bed, a, a desk, and a chair. I was going to school, and, and that was it in my, in my little room. Well, we were going to go to Mexico. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through college. I got a business degree. Then I went to seminary. And I'm staying in the elder's home, and they're going to go to Mexico, my first missions trip. Well, they just happened to have a son-in-law who was a Christian, but he was a professional ball player. So when we rode through Los Angeles, we'd stay in his home. And the room that they put me in by myself was literally, it was wider than this whole stage back this way. And it was probably, as I best recall, maybe from to, for here to the end of the stage. Huge bedroom. I'm sleeping in the corner of my sleeping bag, and I cried myself to sleep that night. Think, I'm never going to have anything because I'm a Christian, and I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do, and I'm just going to have a, just a terrible life. And Cry myself to sleep. <laughs> True story. And let me tell you about the goodness of the Lord. I got married to Linnell, and uh, her parents said, hey, we want to help you buy a house. We believe it will be a good investment for you. We didn't have any money. We, could be, we had to get a roommate. Now, come on, when you get married, had to get a roommate to, uh, to, to, get a, uh, uh, to make the house payment. Well, but that house in seven years tripled in value. So when I left there, I was able to come here with a little, little money in my pocket. We bought a beautiful home in Wake Village, lived there, paid it off. It increased 60% in value. But, but we kind of, I started feeling more a desire to live in the country. I mean, I was raised in the country, just, you know, kind of need some space in life. And uh, we kind of thought we would sell that house. Uh, we put it on the market and we sold it for full price. There was a, a couple that lived in Nevada. They were retired. He was a doctor. She was raised in Nash and she wanted to spend her last days. Nash was right out our backyard, and he walked in and said, I'll give you a full price offer, all cash, no contingencies. You just got to be out of the house in 10 days. I said, where do I sign? <laughs> and at the same period of time, one of the elders in our church comes to prayer that morning and said, I had a vision of you last night. The Lord showed me you standing by a creek, like it was standing by some water, and I feel like the Lord says he's going to give you a new house. 
And lo and behold, my wife's looking around, driving on house, and we bought the house that we're living in now. It's on 10 acres. It's got a pond. It's got a garden. Not too much grass to cut. Got some wildflowers. And I'm a, I'm a happy guy when I go out there. I just kind of feel like I'm at home. So, so what am I trying to tell you? Jesus said, if you make the sacrifice for me, come on, with houses and lands, I'll bless you while you're on this earth because the blessings of heaven are not just for the sweet by and by. The blessings from heaven are for the nasty now and now. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. But he also said, he also said, if you've left brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, my wife brought to my attention that Luke says, if you left your wife, and that doesn't mean you replace her with another wife or you get multiple wives, okay? That's, that's, the, that's not in the cards there. But she said, just like Pastor Larry Myers, when he was called to Mexico, his wife stayed home with the kids, come on, and he had to go and travel back and forth from Mexico. But what Jesus is saying there, the key relationships in your life, come on, the people that matter the most, I can give you some, not to replace your family, but something that will take their place while you're away from them. And I want to tell you, ever since I have been serving the Lord, God has done that for my life. When I was in Alaska, I was a young Christian. Most people, when they were in Adak, Alaska, all they would do is work and go to the bar and the barracks and get drunk because that was all there was to do. But me, I love Jesus, and God sent me a family. They were called the Krupas. It was Dave and Bitsy, and they were, I don't know, in their early 30s. But they had two kids, and they just adopted me and their family. I had home-cooked meals to eat. I had a place to go. I could even fall asleep on their couch. I could watch. I had somewhere to go, but I had someone that cared about me and someone that was discipling me, come on, that was family to me. And when I came to California, the elder invited me to live in their home. I lived with them. They treated me as their child. And then when we moved to Texarkana 25 years ago this month, we moved to Texarkana. I have in this church today people that have been my brother for 25 years. Come on. I have people that are in this church that are just, that are just like family to me. I have had women that have treated me like a mom. I have men that have treated me like a father. I'm telling you, Jesus said, if you say yes to him, he will provide key relationships in our life, come on, that won't replace them totally, but will help you with the needs that you have. Come on, say God is a good God. See, he's not out to hurt us. He's just looking for someone that'll dare to say yes because he's got some amazing things on the other side of yes. But he also said persecutions would come. Well, I want to tell you this, not everybody likes me. Please don't say amen. And if you, you know, I mean, if you don't, you can leave right now. I mean, you know, God bless you. But just teasing, sort of. Um, but I have people that send me dirty letters, dirty emails. I'll say something on the radio and somebody doesn't like. And, boy, you know, I have people I preach sometimes. I'm talking about marriage and they'll, they'll leave. And, but that's a part of it. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5. People will insult you. They'll hurt you. They'll lie. They'll say all kinds of evil things about you because you follow me. But when they do, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Lost my place. Rejoice, verse 12, and be glad because you have great reward waiting for you in heaven. Is it always easy to follow? Is it always easy to say yes? Absolutely not. But there's a reward that's coming for him. Uh, the last thing is he promised eternal life. This was where the young man walked away and he said no. But Jesus said, if you say yes to me. Now I want to tell you something about eternal life. In the last 30, 35 years, I've done a lot of funerals. And every time I've gone to the funeral home or to the, or to the cemetery, 
people are looking for two things. They're looking for hope and they're looking for life. And no man on this earth, come on, can bring them back from the dead. They say goodbye. And I have never gone to the funeral with, with, with the deceased and left with them. They always stay. They're looking for hope in life. And let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And can I tell you, friends, that's what awaits us as a Christian. I'll tell you, if you have buried a mom, a dad that was a Christian, a brother, a sister, a friend, an associate, one day, my friend, that grave's going to open. Come on, one day there's going to be a resurrection. And there's going to be, for those of us that have died in Christ, we're going to live forever with the Lord, forever and ever and ever and ever. And I want to tell you this, even if Jesus didn't promise blessings in this life, what he did on Calvary is enough for me. Come on. If I, if I live the rest of my life and never have one good thing and suffer the rest of my life and die in pain, I want to tell you what Jesus did on Calvary is more than enough for me. Because I'm not serving him for the good stuff and the blessings. I'm serving him, come on, because I love him and because I've chosen to serve him and because I've chosen to say yes to him. There's going to be some sacrifice in this life. There'll be some persecution along the way way, but I'll tell you this, his presence will always be with you. He will always guide you in your life wherever you go. And by the way, we read his promise today that there's a blessing out there in this life, but the world to come, it's going to be eternal life. And one day you're going to look at Jesus face to face and he'll see you for the very first time. And he'll say, Richard, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, enter into the joy of the Lord and all heaven begins to clap and shout. Praise the Lord. Amazing things happen when we say yes. Let me close with a quick video in last scripture. It's a video of our friend Larry Myers, Pastor Larry, uh, and, and he shares just quickly about the power of yes. Just take a peek at this. Hi, my name is Larry Myers. I want to tell you that amazing things happen when you say yes. I remember when he called me to preach, I said yes. And for 20 years, I had an amazing ministry. In the midst of that amazing ministry, God called me to go to Mexico, and I said yes. And amazing things have happened. Our ministry began slow on the Mexico-U.S. Uh, uh, border, went all the way down to the Belize-Mexico border. We have hundreds of churches, tens of thousands of believers, medical facilities. We have an orphanage that we support and have built many of the buildings on that orphanage, all because we say yes. So let me encourage you, when God speaks to you, when he calls you, just simply say yes, and you'll be pleased as you journey in that positive decision that you made, because God will always be with you. Thank you. God bless you. In Matthew 16, Jesus said these words. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. The cross is whatever God asks us to do. For Tim Tebow's mom, there was a possibility the child could have been uh, born with some deformities that could have defined the rest of her parenting years. It was a chance. For Peter, it was leaving his family. It was leaving his business. For John, it was also leaving his dad in the fishing boat. 
for Larry Myers, it was leaving his wife when he would go to Mexico and then come home. But if you want to be my follower, turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. Think, rich young ruler. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Think about Peter and Brother Larry. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Think, rich young ruler. Is anything worth more than your soul? What a question. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is going to come in his Father's glory, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Come on, think Peter, think Brother Larry, think you when you say yes to God. You see, life is all about choices. The rich man had a choice to make. He said no. Peter said yes. Pastor Larry said yes. I said yes when God called me into the ministry. That rich guy lost everything. But when you as a Christian say yes to the Lord, I want to tell you, friends, a little discomfort along the way, maybe hard at first, but Jesus said he'd bless you now. But when you get to eternity, I want to tell you, it's going to be worth it because amazing things happen when you say yes to God. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? Hallelujah. Just reach out to heaven this morning and just kind of close the deal with the Lord right now and say, Lord, I want to be someone that says yes. I can't pray this prayer for you. This is your prayer. Would you just tell the Lord yes right now? Just say whatever you say. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in me. I, I want to say yes. Help me to hear your voice and help me to have the courage, Lord, to say yes. Ask the Lord to help you never be like that rich young ruler, that guy who found something in life, whether it was a hobby, a relationship, material goods, whatever it was, but something was an idol, something was more important, something made him say no to God. And Lord, we don't want to ever fall into that trap. We want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name. Let's close with a personal prayer. Maybe you're here and... God has really spoken to your heart. This would be a great place to kind of seal the deal because here's what I know. I've been to church many times and God's dealt with me about things, but I left saying, well, I'll, I'll pray that when I get to the car. I'll make the commitment when I get home tonight, and I just never do because here's the fact. God will never be more real to you on this subject than he likely is right now because the Holy Spirit has been speaking through me at different points in the service to you. And I wonder if God is calling you to say yes to something that's been kind of hard for you. It's been a sacrifice you've been unwilling to make. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in and, and, and God showed you that it's the wrong one. And you have to let it go, but it's, it's hard to let it go. I don't, I don't know what it may be, but if God's asking you to say yes, I want to encourage you to let somebody pray with you after this message today that you would simply take this first step and just believe God together that you're going to keep on saying yes. But we'll pray about anything. I mean, if you have an unmet need or still some burdens or problems, we'll pray with you about anything. But the most important thing we'd like to pray for is your personal spiritual life. Remember when we talked about eternal life? My question for you, friends, are, are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? You say, well, how can anybody be sure? My friend, if you base your choices and decisions on the Bible and you acknowledge the fact that as the Bible says, I have sinned before God and my sin deserves judgment, 
But if you do as Jesus taught and believe in Him that He could save us from our sins, if we're willing to do what the Bible says and repent or turn and turn towards Christ, if we're willing to receive Him as our Savior, the Bible says we may know we have eternal life. And if you're not certain today and you want to pray for, with someone about that, give your life to Christ. Not join this church, but give your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to come right over to this cross when I dismiss. When the prayers come team sums up here, somebody will meet you knowing that that's your step to Christ. Maybe you're a Christian. You've, you've walked with God before, but you've gotten away. And you realize you're convicted in this service that you've said no for a long time. And today you want to come back to Christ and recommit your life to Him. You make your way on over to that cross because somebody will stand with you to help you on your journey. I'm going to ask that our prayer team comes to the front right now because they'd like to pray for you. Come on, prayer team, one last time today. And as they're making their way to the altar, let me just invite you, if you need prayer for anything this morning, you come and let somebody pray for you. Just slip on out of your chair. If you need to get right with God today, just come on over to that cross. There's people here that love you and care about you. And this is a God moment for many of us that are here today. So just come on up. Let somebody pray for you. Make your way to the cross as you make a commitment to Christ. We'll sing it through one time and dismiss. I love you. Thanks for being here today. I give myself away.